0: Warm Weather Fans is brought to you by Zencaster. As you can hear at the beginning of each episode, we use Zencaster to record and host all of our podcast episodes, and the platform is incredibly easy and user-friendly. Users can record up to 4K video quality and high-quality audio with just the click of a button, as you can hear from our episodes. Zencaster's post-production process makes you sound buttery smooth. It automatically removes any feedback in your recording and gives each user their own dedicated audio stream. Set the right podcast loudness and levels while reducing background noise with just the click of a button. So now go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use my promo code WARM and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and recording needs. It's time to share your story with Zencaster. Welcome, everybody, into another edition of Warm Weather Fans, the Sunbelt Podcast. I am your host, Brian Stone, joined once again this week by Zeke Palermo and Matt Miguez. Uh, I wanted to do this off the top. I usually wait till the end of the show to do this, but I, I feel like uh, I was looking at our podcast metrics. I don't think anybody's listening to the last, like, five minutes of the show, so I want to do this off the top. Email us if you have questions, comments, want to just send in thoughts to, of about the show, at warmweatherfans at gmail.com. You can email us there. Follow us on Twitter X warm weather at warm weather fans It's the name of the show in the in the title. That's that's it. Um so like I said joined by Zeke and Matt. Uh guys, how are we doing this past weekend? i you guys live in the dirty south, so like you got to deal with kind of the weather as it is. For me, the high was 63 degrees on Saturday. So it is a crisp it's a crisp October air, as Matt flips me the bird. Um, but overall, Zeke, let's throw it to you first, and then we can go to Matt. He has his his Where in the World with Zeke Palermo event. Uh, but Zeke, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing all right. Uh, as we record this, the Coastal App game is going on, so I've got it open in the corner. Uh, keeping an eye on that, looks like uh, App probably won't score before half, um, so... Uh, you know, just going to be keeping an eye on out this through the rest of the episode, but, uh, you know, in, in north, northeast Georgia, we're, we're feeling pretty good. We're, we're hanging in the, uh, the mid seventies. Uh, so, you know, not too much to complain about.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I did forget to mention that we are recording on Tuesday night during this. Why is there a Tuesday night Sunbelt game? Who the hell knows? Um, but we will, I'll pop in a couple of updates as we go. Um, and, and we can kind of discuss that when we get into our previews, even though that game is currently ongoing. But, Matt, I want to throw it over to you. What's up, and uh, what's your Where in the World is Zeke Palermo event?
2: Good evening, gentlemen. I'm uh, doing well. In South Louisiana, um, it it got down to 72, uh, which, you know, <laughs> really broke, broke out a quarter zip to work today. So that was, you know... That was a step in the right direction. I had to take it off by 10 a.m., but, hey, I wore it to work. Um, Now, for my where in the world was Zeke Palermo? Zeke, I know you were alive when this happened. Okay. I, I don't know how much you remember it, but you were alive. Gotcha. What can you tell me about the Deepwater Horizon explosion?
1: Uh I'm not sure I know what that one is. I'm gonna be honest um, with you.
2: Outside
0: of a outside of a really bad Mark Wahlberg movie, I don't know
2: what I could tell you about it. Do you is, remember that like the, a, the, is that like a pipe
1: bursting under the Atlantic kind of deal? The
2: the oil rig in the Gulf that
1: exploded. Oh that's what we call the the oil spill in the Gulf.
2: Yeah, well that, that's the name of the rig, Deepwater Horizon.
1: Uh yeah, that's again, you know, it just one of those things that I heard about and I was like, dang, that that kind of sucks. I, I got to study for this, you know, alphabet test tomorrow. Uh, what grade were you in in 2010? 2010, I would have been nine years old. So what, like third, third second, grade. third grade, right? <laughs> I,
0: was
2: a, well, let's I see. was a senior. 2010, in I was in eighth grade. I was
0: a senior in high school. I graduated. I was in, in eighth grade.
2: <laughs> um,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, long-lasting long, long lasting environmental impacts. Um, yeah. Change, You know, changed how we regulate... We don't need uh, you to read a
0: Wikipedia page if you don't remember it. No,
1: I'm going off the rip, man. But uh, in the moment, you're just – I had more pressing concerns than – I mean I was probably uh, – depending on what time of year, that certainly altered my spring break plans. When you were
0: nine? Yeah. Yeah, when I was nine. <laughs> what, what, what? your your uh, your beach house in, peace in Panama City Beach was, was messed up by your uh, – We had a
1: timeshare on a condo, mind you. <laughs>
2: So you couldn't go. You couldn't go play uh, sand football with, with with cousin Jamie because oh, there was there was oil washing ashore.
1: I'll tell you, sand football massively overrated. This is this is straying a bit from the the initial prompt here, but I, I <laughs> love to hear you guys weigh in. I think wa- in the water football clears actually playing on the sand by a hundred miles eh, because. You can make, like, you can pretend you're Odell in the water, right? You can make the most routine catch, but still kind of dive and, like, flail your body and be like, oh, oh, my God, that was miraculous. Whereas on the sand, it's hard to run. Sand sucks in the first place. And I'd love to hear you guys' input on this.
2: The sand makes you a man um, because it gets in your eyes and it hurts when you fall on it. Uh, so, So the sand makes you more of a man. But in terms of entertainment value, Yes, water football is way better. I'm actually
0: gonna, I'm gonna say this, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna transition us back to our actual program, and it's actually gonna be kind of seamless. Um, sand football peaked during that scene in Point Break when Keanu is playing with Patrick Swayze, and he tackles him in the water, and then he finds out that he is the ex Ohio State quarterback Johnny Utah. Speaking of college football, let's talk about the games that we had this weekend. Let's start there. Sun Belt uh let's let's start off with uh noon on saturday we had marshall and nc state playing in a absolute shootout um if you had a 48 41 score on your uh on your final scorecard you can raise your hand and then we can identify you as an absolute liar because no one no one had either of these teams scoring 40 plus with the way that their defenses had been playing um but man, this one was points, 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 points. And I, 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 Marshall definitely had a chance to win this game. And then they kind of just ran out of gas in the fourth quarter. Like they were, it was 35, 34 NC state heading into the fourth. And then Marshall just, I I mean, they got out, scored what, 13 to six in the final quarter. And so that's what ended up being the case. But kind of a sloppy game on both sides three turnovers for each team um but ultimately uh nc state comes away with a seven point win um zeke wh- you're you're our leading cam fancher watch person so let's evaluate fancher's performance in this one what did you what did you think about the game that he turned in i thought he was pretty good uh better than nor- what I normally expect out of him so uh kind of give mm-hmm. us your thoughts there yeah,
1: I mean, for one, uh, you were both re- ready to crucify me if I recanted on the Fancher love. And, and for a second straight week, he performed to what, I, again, what we all kind of hoped he was going to be this season. Uh, so I think in terms of, uh, I, I personally was ready to maybe put him on fraud watch. Uh, I think he, he's back into this idea of Cam Fancher can be a really, really good quarterback for this Marshall team uh things i didn't like there were stretches in this game where he would throw three four i believe there was a a very early stretch in this game uh where he threw five or six straight incompletions which you don't love he threw a very untimely interception late in the game that had he not thrown you 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 gotta just wonder could could they have marched could they have scored there but uh i'm just really happy with how he performed top to bottom he he completed a lot of passes. Again, he, he had some ugly stretches, but I, you know, there wasn't a ton to dislike. He ran the ball incredibly well. He ran the ball a lot. He had twenty carries in this game, which um, we, we've talked about with Zion Chris. If you win, you, you love that. If if you lose, you you, you know you, it kind of scares you. So um, I, I would have loved to see Marshall uh, bring Rasheed Ali into this game a little bit more. Uh, especially for how he was rushing he was averaging 5 yards at 4.5 a carry and his longest was only 11 so it wasn't like he ripped one off and you know just kind of stunk the rest of the game but uh, in terms of Cam Fancher watch I, I'm still on board he he looks to be really good and I'm uh, excited to see what he does next week
0: so uh like you said he did a good job using his legs in this game um honestly the way that this game went I mean this performance, I mean, they they lost by seven, but this was pretty much all on his shoulders. I mean, the guy throws for 315 and two scores, runs for two more. Like you said, he had, what, 20 carries, I think you said. So, I I mean, that's impressive in itself that he was able to kind of keep them in the game single-handedly. I do agree with what you said about Ali. It's kind of weird to only give a guy 14 carries in a game where Again, it was separated by one point going into the fourth quarter, so it wasn't exactly like, oh man, we need to make up all these points in a hurry. I mean, they could have run whatever they wanted. I mean, it was close. So, Matt, I want to throw it to you on this question. So, we had talked before the season about Marshall's defense and how we thought it was going to be good, if not very good. Does this performance for them give you a little bit of pause, or do you kind of just write it off as, they played an ACC school, you know, it... It happened, you know. One of these two, one of these performances happens every once in a while. We can just sort of move on from here.
2: So, you know, part of me wants to go that route and say, "Look, you know, that they played a really uh, a talented ACC team. You know, hung with them for four quarters. You know, all the moral victory phrases, right?" Um, But, but you are absolutely right. It is concerning because this was a program built on their defense. Um, but you know, one thing is that, that a lot of people might not know, they did have to get a new defensive coordinator this year because Lance Gidry, who was their defensive coordinator the entire time under Charles Huff, uh, was hired by Tulane and then two weeks later jetted for the Miami job. Um, so, you know, one of the, one of those moves, um, uh, which, which I don't really respect, but you know, that's neither here nor there. Um. But look, you know, I think this year you you had a lot of key pieces returning like Eli Neal, like Owen Porter, um, but you were going to struggle to kind of gel it all together. Um, so I am a little surprised that they've struggled as much as they have defensively, but I'm not necessarily shocked if that makes any sense at all.
0: I, I know we're not an ACC podcast, but I think we're all sort of thinking our lucky stars were not Miami Hurricane fans today. Uh
1: that that was a what
2: what oh, okay I'm I'm glad you brought that up because now we're gonna get into it. Is that stupider than the App State ULM conundrum?
0: Yeah, and and the re- and I have one Stanford. main reason why it is because he's done it before. Like if he he did it in 2018 when he was Oregon coach against Stanford. Yep. So the fact that you do it once and you don't learn your lesson is is what makes it an an all time like absolute sin to me
1: from what i've heard uh, we, we've had a couple different guys crystal obviously kind of put took the weight on his shoulders and then the oc came out and said it was on him I, i've been hearing that this was a case of they wanted to get their back 100 yards uh, which is so freaking silly i i don't know i i read that i you know i heard someone on the radio talking about it today it's just like are are we seriously going to do this like uh, oh Against a conference opponent in a tight game, we're going to try to get him 100 yards. It, Give me such a break, dude.
0: Exactly. Like, if it was a a two-score game, plus, if it's two, three scores, and you want to do that, ab- absolutely. You know what? You want to get your guy to 100 yards, and you have a comfortable lead. I, I mean, the Georgia Tech coach is probably going to be pissed about, about it after the game and not want to shake your hand, but... It is what it is. You get your guy hundred yards to do that in a game. That was what oh, a one score game, or I think it was actually less than a touchdown, the deficit. Right. So like that, it's just so stupid from so many different angles. And it's crazy that you have coaching staffs have all of these guys, right? Like coaching staffs are huge. There's not one person that goes, Hey, on the headset going, Hey guys, um, let's not do this. Let's just pick up a damn win and get out of here instead of instead of being like, let's get our guy hundred yards. That's just the dumbest thing of all time to me. Um but anyway, transitioning to back to Marshall and, and NC State a little bit, um, the 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 defensive concerns that Matt and I had sort of talked about were I think pretty founded considering like Kevin Concepcion for NC State absolutely torched them. Uh he had eight eight catches for one oh two and two scores. Um You know, M.J. Morris, the quarterback for the Wolfpack, he did throw three picks, including a pick six. So, you know, credit to Marshall for coming down with that that pick six. But two sixty five, four touchdowns. I mean, you got to look at the the Marshall secondary now and be like, do we have real reason for concern? Because we're going to have to play some tougher teams coming up within conference play. So, again, you know, it, it doesn't really ultimately matter because, again, it's an ACC opponent. You were expected to lose. I think you were a, a six and a half point dog anyway. Everybody's gonna kind of shrug and move on, but I'm interested to see if this sort of transitions into more conference play if if other teams are looking to take advantage of this. But with that, NC State moves to four and two and Marshall drops to four and one. Matt, getting into your your game here now, uh Louisiana defeats Texas State 34 to 30. Um I caught a lot of the the first half of this game. Uh, I had to do something on Saturday in the second half, but I want to say this.
2: I, so you missed the fight. Right.
0: I I did. Um I wanted I do want to give Louisiana their they just due for sure. Like you guys definitely went and took this game. I think this game was more a matter of Texas State choking it away to be totally honest with you. Like they made so many stupid calls that so I the thing that made the least sense to me was going into half. Well, there was a lot that didn't make sense, so we, we can get into all of it. But the thing that really didn't make sense to me was you're up t- twenty to fourteen as Texas State going into half. You have the ball on, on Louisiana's eighteen, and you end up with a turnover on downs. Dude, just kick the extra, kick the field goal. Take a what would have been a nine point lead into halftime. It's a two score game at that point. That just dumb stuff like that. Like they had multiple chances. I felt like to take advantage here. We can talk about the block punt and all, and all of that sort of stuff, but man they so many just like mental mistakes they made but again, credit to you guys for taking it
2: yeah they they, they Texas state definitely made some questionable calls um but man that that final really ten minutes of, of that game was was something really special because uh, you know you look at it and with 10 minutes to go. I want to say the Cajuns were down, I want to say it was still a like a three-point game at that point, point. and um, Cajuns have the ball first down, own like 35-yard line, and Zeon Chris is standing in the shotgun, and he fumbles the snap, loses like five yards, so it's second and 15, you know, okay, no big deal. Then on second down, he takes a bad sack, loses another five yards, so now it's third and 20. So, so get this, and, and I want to see if you guys agree with this. Analytics is a big thing in college football now, right? It depends on if you work for the Miami Hurricanes or not. Um, according to the analytics that Michael Desermo was using in this in this game. In that situation, 4th and 15 or less they were going
0: for. I don't know that I agree with that, but whatever.
1: They What do you call on for like how do you have a play what where in your play call sheet is your 4th and like 15 play – like, do you – how many of those do you have on a play call sheet?
2: Probably not many. I mean – I mean, receivers run a 15-yard route, and you hope somebody's open. <laughs>
0: like Zeke, you, you know what you do is you, you go to the sideline on your on your iPad, and you boot up the old game NFL Blitz, and you start looking through the plays there, and you're like, we're going to run the bomb here. <laughs> That's my play. Can we
2: run four – can we run four verticals with the B receiver running a deep slant?
1: Yeah.
2: And the running back running a half-hearted wheel route. But no, so so now it's third and twenty. And the idea that your redshirt freshman quarterback, this is the biggest game that he's played in his career thus far. And he stays just incredibly collected in the pocket, calls the play and delivers a 22-yard strike on 3rd and 20 to give you a fresh set of downs. You go in and score with six minutes left. You come out, your defense gets a three and out, blocks the punt, you score again, and then your defense forces the turnover that he never stepped out of bounds. That really should have been a touchdown. Um, And, and the video that I sent you guys of what I shot from the end zone was absolutely legendary. Um, Look, every new coach searches for a signature win. Uh, you, you could look back, in Louisiana's case, you could look back to that Iowa State game to open the 2020 season as Billy Napier's signature win with UL. I think Saturday against Texas State may have been Michael Deser because nobody thought that you would win this game because you came into it, a lot of people didn't think UL would win this game because the way Texas State's offense had been playing G.J. Kinney, oh, they have an SEC quarterback, you know, all these things, blah, blah, blah. Texas State was going to win this game. And your defense stood up when they needed to, your offense made plays when they needed to, and you got the win. So I think that this could end up being, I'm not going to say it yet because you have to see how the rest of the season plays out, but I think this game could be the signature win that Michael Desermo was looking for.
0: Yeah, I I don't disagree with that. And honestly, like, Part of me wonders, and Zeke, if you have anything, you can jump in after after I get done. Um, part of me wonders, you know, you were talking about the signature win thing. Texas State has not been, we obviously have talked about how Texas State's not been good before this season. Part of me wonders if, like, that previous history of, like, not being able to close out games sort of seeped in here because, and I might be getting to sports psychology with this, but, like taking a toll, take, losing like that over a span of years, like, takes a toll and is definitely something they're gonna have to break, and Kenny Kind, whatever, however you pronounce his last name has obviously done a great job this year with what he has, and a number of transfers and all that sort of stuff but, again, this is a game they had multiple chances, I felt like to do the quote-unquote right thing and, like, it seemed like they just would always pass it up, or they would do something stupid, like I said the, the block punt was bad like i said getting no points going into half when like you should have just kicked it and made it a two score game like i didn't understand that because also you know i was was, going back and looked at the drive chart so you come at it hypothetically you kick that field goal let's say it's 23 14 going into half it's a nine point nine point lead um louisiana opens up the second half with a fumble and then texas state kicked another field goal uh with like let's see uh like 12 ish minutes left in the third quarter at that point it would have been a 12 point lead if they had kicked it going into half so i felt like getting no points on that series really didn't make any sense like with the way that the game was going it it felt like they were really controlling it and then you know you can say whatever you want maybe it took place after halftime but that kind of felt like the turning point to me was just coming away with absolutely nothing going into half and like Again, maybe this this is this losing mindset is just something they're going to have to break. I don't I don't really know. But Zeke, do you have anything for Matt?
1: Yeah, I mean, for Matt, before we jump over and touch quickly on Texas State, like you just did, Brian, I I want to ask. You talked about how good Zeon Chris looked as a passer, especially late in that game, and we've seen it the past couple of weeks. He he is a very good passer. However. Louisiana didn't have a lead until the final few minutes of this game. And Zeon Chris only threw 17 passes. Clearly it worked, right? So, so it's not anything to really be upset about, but I'm, I'm curious, Matt, as someone who knows this team better than Brian or I do, what happened there? Why, why are you not letting what might be your best player on the roster uh, throw the ball more? Obviously, again, he, he runs the ball and he run, ran it very well, but why didn't they let him throw it more?
2: That was the game plan. Uh, I'm I'm going to be completely honest with you. Talking to Michael Desermo on the postgame, the game plan was they wanted Zeon. The last couple of weeks, they've tried to limit how much Zeon throws the football, strictly because they, they're still in the process of letting him get used to live game action, right? Um, they don't want him doing or trying to do too much. Uh, so they're trying to limit that. So that's why... You know, you only saw him throw the ball seventeen times. They ran the ball forty-one times. Uh, they just they, they felt like the the running game was working, uh, and obviously, you know, it did. They they averaged five point three yards per carry as a team uh, in this game. Uh, so, so I think that that was just part of the game plan. But I I agree with you, Zeke. I would like to see Zeon air the ball out a little uh, because he's proven that not only is he a good passer, but he can take care of the football. Because yeah, he might have you know, four interceptions in four games, but every single one of those interceptions, you could kind of look at it and say, eh, you know, he's a freshman. He tried to do a little too much. He made a bad decision. That's going to happen. They, they've never been like, oh my God, what are you doing? Type of plays. Um, so look, you know, I, I'm not really one to to keep harping on the he's a freshman thing, but look, you know, seven touchdowns. He's run the ball very well. I think he has four touchdowns on the ground um, on on the season. He had another one on Saturday. Uh, Zion has really been incredibly impressive uh, for this offense. And quick little injury update: Ben Wooldridge was no longer in a boot on Saturday. Uh, he was back wearing two shoes. So that's a that's obviously a step in the right direction. But I, I don't I don't know if he's going to be the quarterback when when he's fully healthy and ready to return. I think Zeon's proven that he can run this offense. So
0: I, I do have a question for you, Matt, and it, it's not been really an issue thus far because Zeon Chris has been great. Are you concerned at all that it feels like he has to be both the leading passer and rusher for this team to win? Because I, I get he's great dual threat-wise, but it just feels like, I feel I feel like every, every week we pull it up and it's like he's the leading rusher and has you know obviously all the pass attempts. Are you concerned a little bit at all with like his usage
2: maybe on both sides? Not at all. um because even though it works out that he ends up being the leading rusher, I don't think that he has to be in order for the Cajuns to win. because if you look at the the stat chart, yeah, you know he had Zion had twelve carries for sixty seven yards. Jacob Kabodi was right behind him with eleven for sixty three. Xylon Perry had seven for fifty four. Like you had guys that that weren't that far behind him. Um, Now it hasn't been like that every single week, but I think this week you saw, you know, Zylan Perry's finally looking a hundred percent healthy after dealing with hamstring injuries since last season. Uh, Jacob Cabote has finally been given enough opportunity to make an impact on the offense. And it's, and it's shown he's up to, you know, 400 yards already on the season. So I don't know that it, it's a necessarily Zion has to be the leading rusher for this team to win. I think it just works out that way sometimes because you guys know dual, dual threat quarterbacks are incredibly hard to to stop. Uh, it, it's hard to game plan for a guy that can use his feet almost as well as his arm. Uh, so I, I think it's just worked out that way.
1: Yeah. Uh, before we leave this game, I do want to talk about Ismail Mahdi, who I mean hey. absolutely lost this game.
2: What a what a oh man. He's what more can you say about
1: that kid? He's first just- of all, 34 no. carries is obscene. That is a ridiculous number, and, and not only and 34
2: then, carries, average five and a half yards on those 34 carries. And-
1: I want you to chew on this. He is, and, hold uh, up, hold I believe, second. Zeke,
0: Zeke can't play the like, oh, he ran for one long run. His, his no. longest rush was 21 yards. So, like,
1: no, he he's scary, dude. I, I want you to chew on this. He's second in the conference in rushing yards. And and keep in mind, this is a conference with Vidal and Noel and Carroll and Ali and and Frank Gore when he decides to play football, right? He's second in the uh, conference for carries. He has 50 less carries than the guy in first place. Or I'm sorry, second for yards. 50 less carries than the guy uh, in first for yards. It's ridiculous.
2: He is sixth nationally in rushing yards.
1: Crazy. And, And think, he's had two or three games where he just like, Really good, but you know, not spectacular. He he has been sneaky, sneaky good the past couple weeks, and he's been i've I've certainly overlooked him because of Carolyn uh, Vidal.
2: To add on to that, not only is he sixth nationally in rushing yards, Kamani Vidal currently leads the nation in rushing yards with eight hundred and thirty five through six games. You're halfway through the season, and he's on pace for sixteen hundred yards.
0: Sunbelt Jamal Charles, many are saying about Ismail Mahdi. Just one of the more efficient backs. That's that's fitting. <laughs> Just one of the more efficient backs. Just give it to him. Guess what? You're getting six yards. Like it or not. That's what you're getting. So we, we talked about him. Uh TJ Finley, honestly, outside of his one interception, played really well in this one, completed seventy-five percent of his passes, three twenty-six. Um Joey Hobert has has sort of emerged as easily the number one receiver for the Bobcats.
2: He's a freak too. <laughs> uh,
0: God, one thirty two and a touchdown.
2: Um, this was a. I now, mean, what was his, what was his longest reception? Eighty three. Yeah he he had that he had that one bomb uh, that was just a busted coverage, and the Cajuns are incredibly lucky that he ran out of gas and somebody was able to catch him. Uh, because that was just, oh, uh, so look, obviously, member of the media, you have to remain impartial. But when I tell you I'm sitting there in the press box and I wanted to just say, what the are you doing? Oh, that was an awful play. But most of his receptions were dump pass screen passes where he stood three yards behind the line of scrimmage and then just ran for seven yards. The, the guy is that offense is scary.
0: Uh- I'll tell you this, if I was in the press box at Georgia Southern games in 2022, uh when they when they were on defense, I would have probably blown up like a beach ball and just started hitting it around because I'm like, you know what's going to happen. They're going to score. Like, why why are you bothering to even watch this? Like, it's going to be a score. But but yeah, uh so Louisiana comes away with the the huge win. They pick up their first Sun Belt win of the season. It's 4-2 so far for the Raging Cajuns one and one in conference play. Texas state drops to four and two and is now one and one in conference play as well. Uh, this next one was an absolute murder. Um, It was Troy beating Arkansas state 37 to three. Um, This is sort of what I expected to be totally honest. I didn't expect Troy to score this much, but I was like the Jalen Rainer story has been very nice, but this is the week that it's, it's brick wall city for him. Like it, there's no more easy running lanes. They're not letting you get out in space the way that, like, a UMass or a Stony Brook or one of these other schools is doing. Troy just absolutely put it on them. We talked about how Vidal is leading the nation in rushing this game. Uh, another big reason why. Zeke didn't... Troy, Troy looked really good in this game. This is what you expect from Troy. They They have had right. sort of a rocky start to the season, but they seem like they really got up for this one. So with this, with with the defensive per- performance, with Vidal's performance, this is quintessential Troy. C- you think they can kind of take this and just like replicate it from here? Because again, they had a rock- rocky ish start to the year.
1: Yeah, I think so because they've done it twice in a row now, uh, and because they did a very similar thing to Georgia State, where they played that defense that we got so that we all became enamored with last season, and, and offensively outperformed uh, what really again what that brand of troy football was because last year it was 14 to 7 it was you know 17 to 12 right those were the kinds of games they're winning and now after georgia state and arkansas state and, and even a little bit against western kentucky the defense wasn't as great in, against western kentucky but troy's back right troy's defense is back and and their offense is uh, and I know, I, I, I believe, based off of these two performances, I feel a lot more confident about Troy's defense moving forward. Um, as for Arkansas State, they're also back. We, don't, don't get fooled. They beat Stony Brook, UMass, and Southern Miss. Uh, Arkansas State it, is back, but it, in the opposite direction.
0: So, Matt, before I let you go, I, I just want to say one thing. Troy, again, lost to JMU. JMU is a very good football team. We all acknowledge that. Troy, through three Sunbelt games this season, is currently allowing Sunbelt opponents to score 8.7 points per game against Sunbelt mm-hmm. school. So with that, Matt, I'll go ahead and give you the floor.
2: Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Troy's defense has been very impressive, and and I don't know that that has ever been the issue for them. Uh, like, like Brian just alluded to, they're averaging 8.7 points a game against conference opponents. Um, so, I mean, that's... That's absolutely incredible. That's freakish numbers. Um, I I think their issue, for for me at least, has been offensive consistency. Uh, Because, look, Kamani Vidal, you can't say enough good things about him. But the passing game has been very wishy-washy. And you you guys know as well as I do, you could have a a bionic superhuman as your running back. But if that's all you know how to do, a defense is going to stop you eventually. Eventually, they're going to figure it out. Um, and so, th- to me, that's always been the issue is that their, their offense has kind of seemed one dimensional uh, to me. Don't get me wrong, dominating performance. And, and I think Troy really needed that, regardless of opponent. Um, I-, I think a win like that was needed for them. But I'm not ready to say that they're back. Uh, and I'm not ready to say that about South Alabama either, because, I mean, it- it's Monroe. But you know we'll, we'll we'll see how 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 the west shakes out but troy I I'm gonna say that Troy and South Alabama are still not the teams we expected them to be coming into the season
0: we'll talk about them in a little bit
2: but yeah I, I again I think this
0: more just shows when when it comes time to need to turn it on Troy can definitely do that I mean you even go back at the look at the game that they lost to James Madison, I mean, it was what 16 to 13 or something like that. Like it was 16 to 14. So like it wasn't like they got smoked defensively. It was just they like what Matt said, they can't they can't when they play an equal level of competition on the defensive side of the ball, like you can't necessarily put that all on Gunnar Watson's shoulders and be like, please go win us a football game. It it just doesn't, it doesn't compute, it doesn't work like that. But with this Troy moves to 4 and 2 this season, they're now 2 and 1 in the Sun Belt. Arkansas State drops back down to 500. They are 3 and 3 and 1 and 1 in conference play. Uh Matt, you alluded to this South Alabama beats UL Monroe 55 to 7. I would give I'm definitely uh, South Alabama. This is it's it's good that they went in and won this. Uh App just struggled playing at Monroe last week. We talked about it on the previous episode. However, with what I've now seen from South Alabama, I feel like next week they could go lose 17 to 14 and I would be like, yeah, that sounds about right. Like the the sunbelt version of the DC Comics character the Joker was not really what I was expecting where it was like it could go either way. They could do anything. You just have no idea and it could be good or bad. And so credit to them for winning this game because it gave app state a lot of trouble, but this doesn't exactly like build a lot of confidence for me in South Alabama, but Matt kind of give me your thoughts.
2: Yeah. You know, kind of the same thing with Troy. Good, good for you that, that you went out and you dumped 55 points on a inferior football team, but, but I'm not ready to say that, you know, you're back on top of the mountain. Um, and also you brought up the, the joker, Zeke a couple weeks ago referred to Georgia State as doing this Jekyll and Hyde thing, and while I don't disagree with that for the Panthers, I would also throw that term out for the Jags because you never know who you're going to get. Are you going to get the team that beat Oklahoma State 33 to seven and only lost by one in overtime to a Dorian Thompson Robinson led UCLA last year, or are you going to get a team that's going to struggle to beat arkansas state like or or southern miss like you you never know and i think not only for the south alabama fan base but really for the program that's so incredibly concerning because considering you were supposed to be
0: like a top 3 team in the entire conference you you were arguably the favorite to win it because james madison I mean,
2: can you had 18 out
0: of 22 starters returning, and James and you know James how? Madison is eliminated by default. Correct.
2: Like how are you not running buckshot on this conference? It doesn't make sense to me. maybe maybe Carter Bradley's just not the quarterback that, that we thought he was. I don't know, but South Alabama, they better figure it out because if you they're three and three now, and if you look at their schedule the rest of the way, Southern miss probably a win, right? Louisiana. I'm being a little biased here, but i who, who the hell knows? The Cajuns could go to Mobile and win that game. There, there's, no, there's no doubt in my mind about that. Then you go to Troy. Good luck. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll see which team decides to show up. And then you round out with Arkansas State, Marshall, and then at Texas State. That's brutal. That is a brutal final six games to this schedule. And for South Alabama, if you don't go... 5 and 1 over the last 6 to finish 8 and 4. I think the season's a massive disappointment.
0: Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. I the more that I thought about the the DC Comics uh references I was making, I can't believe that I passed over calling South Alabama the two-face of the conference. Like they just flip a coin every week. And and it's like are you going to get the bad side or the good? You just have no idea. But Zeke, uh not not a lot to say about this game, but do you sort of have any thoughts about where kind of South Alabama goes from here. Again, they win this game big. It's it's good you win a road game that's a conference opponent. But, like, the, I mean, if you look at the bottom feeders as it sits today, I mean, it's Arkansas State. I mean, to be frank, in the standings, South Alabama's down there because they have a conference loss. Mm-hmm. You all, Monroe, and Southern Miss. So, great. You beat right. one of the, the two worst teams in the entire conference. Um, but, like, how do you... I guess this is a coaching question more than it is talent, but like, how do you sort of port this over into? And they they play Southern Miss, so like, you you hope that this game looks a lot like next week. But how do you just sort of start building these when it's like you can only really pick up wins consistently against the worst teams in the conference?
1: Right. Uh, I'm not I'm not certain like what what the solution to that is, and, and we'll talk about it in a minute. But they. They play Southern Miss, which should be another win for them realistically because South Alabama ha- has shown in this game that against inferior opposition, they can they can score almost at will. Um, but in terms of just like what there is to be optimistic about the South Alabama, because you guys kind of talked about what-, what there is to be scared about. Two big takeaways for me here are, one, that they use LeDamian Webb well. Um, he He saw a lot of carries. And, uh, obviously a lot of those came, almost half of them came in the second half. And by that point, the game was like 31, nothing at half. So we can call those garbage time and not real volume, but he got, he got nine touches in the first quarter alone, which is something I've been saying all year is that I I feel like they're underutilizing him. Um, and look at that. You give him nine carries and you leave the first quarter up 14, nothing. You score two touchdowns a quarter. You're going to win every football game you play. So in terms of what to be optimistic about, I I like the usage that LaDamian Webb saw when this was still a game in question. Second is uh, kind of like Ismail Mahdi. I think we've been really glossing over the year. Colin Lacey has been having. I mean, this is a team South Alabama that over the past years between Jalen Wayne, Jalen Tolbert has had really high volume, high production guys. And Colin Lacey is again, he's top of the conference by in receiving yards. By a hundred or two hundred at least, and, and so I, you know, maybe, maybe we have, but I feel like just as a podcast, we haven't really said like, "Holy crap, look at the year this guy's having." Admittedly, he's really the only receiving weapon they have, uh, and, and Carter Bradley, uh, as we saw last year, as we've seen with South Alabama in the past, they love to have one big volume guy. Colin Lacey is being that guy, and he's doing it really well.
0: Yeah. I- I think the reason we haven't singled them out more is just, I think we've been more taken aback by how witchy-washy they've been. And I think that that has honestly sort of been more of the story is like, you can't you can't really get a handle on what this team is going to do on a week-to-week basis. So like, just kind of being along for the roller coaster has sort of been the, the attitude we've had towards them. And and to make a point to what you first talked about with uh, LaDamian Webb, I, I think it honestly is concerning from a play-calling perspective that it took a game script like this where you thought it was going to be a walk in the park to get him a decent amount of work. Like, he should be fed on a weekly basis. Like, he is a very good running back. Carter Bradley, we've talked about. Matt alluded to it. I He's not really that dude, to be totally honest. So, like, why LeDamian Webb isn't seeing, like, Kimani Vidal-level usage, I don't really understand. But I think it might have more to do with their defense has been all over the place. One week they'll go out, like Matt said, they'll beat a Big 12 school by 26 points on the road. The next week, you you just have no idea what you're getting from them. So I think like game script wise, it's been a real issue to kind of work him in every single week. But again, it's just one of those things you have to just keep doing it because he you give it to him. He shortens the game, gives you longer possessions, like all that sort of stuff and you take more off of Carter Bradley's shoulders being the quarterback. So I think that's just something they need to make a habit of doing it. I don't I don't really understand why they haven't done it up to this point in the season. But good win for them. They're now 3 and 3 and 1 and 1 in the Sunbelt. Uh UL Monroe drops to 2 and 3. They are now 0 and 2 in conference play. Uh getting into the game last week that I said I would rather be shot than pick, I actually picked it correctly <laughs> because I picked Old Dominion over Southern Miss. They go into Hattiesburg and pick up a seventeen to thirteen win. Um, if you like quarterback play, don't go back and watch the tape on this one. It was it was very ugly. Um, I don't know if Frank Gore Jr. swapped uniforms with his elderly father because he he just looked like an old man compared to like what we what we're used to seeing out of him. This was just an ugly game. To be totally honest with you, and that's kind of what we expected. Um, Zeke, you're you're our leading Southern Miss fan, um, so let's talk a little bit about it from both both ends here. Ugly game for Old Dominion, but you pick up a win. Southern Miss just continues their sort of backslide. That as bad as their offense was last year, they won a, they won games they p- probably shouldn't have, but this year that just feels like that's totally out the window.
1: Yeah, and, and mind you that this game offensively looks better than it actually was because Southern Miss had a punt return touchdown. So realistically, they scored six offensive points, which is astounding. I mean, that is just like, what do you do with that? Um, I don't know who else Southern Miss really has on the roster. We've seen their carousel of quarterbacks the past two seasons, but they've been running with Billy Wiles the past couple weeks. And I'm curious if, what, what it's going to take for them to pull the hook. Uh, we saw uh, actually against Old Dominion with Grant Wilson, we saw them give them the hook. Uh, and obviously Jack Shields in his, in his uh, second start of the of his career put up a stinker, awful, no completions, sacked twice. But I, I'm curious what it is that it's going to take for Billy Wiles to, to get the hook
0: yeah i we have a little chat here. i I just put it in the chat. it's uh it's gonna take getting to next season and finding maybe a transferred portal quarterback or something because whatever they've been doing, however they've been getting these guys like Wilkie Wiles, the guys that we talked about last season and and
2: this year, this ain't it chief hello hello, prospective quarterback on a scale of one to ten. how much would you like to play for mediocrity? Like, how are you selling this to a transfer quarterback? Because um, I, I, I agree with you. That's what Southern Miss needs. But I'm going to play devil's advocate. How do you sell that? You get a
0: guy who is buried on a, hopefully like a power five roster that just desperately wants to get off the bench. Hey, hey, bud. Ben Woolridge got any
1: eligibility? Who? Ben Woolridge. He does Woolridge. have a year
2: left, actually. Ben Stay close. Ben Woolridge. He does have a year left, actually. God, that would suck.
1: Go pitch that to him, man.
2: God, that would
0: suck. You're asking Matt to go recruit for Southern Miss. Um, I don't think he's uh, going to do that. Because they need it. I don't think he's going to do that. But I, I do think, like, you know, I think it's going to take a new coaching staff, for one. Uh, and, again, I think you're going to have to find a guy who's talented, but he's stapled to a bench somewhere to, to sit, come in and say, hey, would you like to come in next season and start every game? Because last year, we started this guy named Billy Wiles for every game, and he wasn't any good, but he still got to play. So, like, it's almost like rec league, where it's like we have to get all these kids in the game. You know what I mean? Like, it's like we have 12 kids on this on this ros- basketball roster. Every one of them has to play. So, I, I think that's sort of what we're looking at uh, as far as usage goes.
1: You, you mentioned coaching staff. Will Hall's been there three years, and he... Three and nine his first year when Southern Miss was in Conference USA. Twenty twenty two Southern Miss joins the Sun Belt. They go seven and six. And now uh, at present they're one and five. They'll be lucky to win probably four games. What's his leash? How long does he have here? Because you know what he did go seven and six last year, and he they won a bowl game. Does how much credibility does that buy you? W- what's his timeline here?
0: I honestly don't know, Matt, and I want to. I want to kind of go to you here. If they go two and ten, does it really matter how much credibility seven and six last year bought him? I mean, at that point, you bottomed he, out. I
2: think, I think seven and six last year bought him another year. Um, I, I think they're going to give him one more opportunity to, to try and put a roster together. Uh, because here's the thing: like, like he said, this is only his third year. Um, Now, I know that that's typically the point where changes get made, but Will Hall's not a bad coach. I think he's just run into some really bad luck in terms of the transfer portal and recruiting and mix that with, I'm not a huge fan of his coaching staff, so it's not so much the head coach. I I think it's more of the coaching staff, Um, so I I could definitely see some staff changes this offseason. Uh, but is will hall getting fired in twenty twenty three i don't think so I don't know you you don't want to make your
0: apex mountain going seven and six you know if 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 they run into the butch Jones problem which is like they come out next year let's say they finish this year they they finish three and nine two and ten around there and then you come out next season twenty twenty four if if this happens again in twenty twenty four it's going to be I'm always fa- in favor of firing a coach a year, a t- year too early rather than a year too late. Like, especially with these guys that seem to have capped ceilings. Like, I think I think there's too many good like FCS, like G.J. Kinney style coaches out there that are just waiting to get scooped up by uh like a FBS program to waste your time going two and ten, three and nine.
2: OK, and and I don't disagree with that. But let me let me ask you this. In your opinion, Southern Miss's ceiling is what
0: for this season?
2: G- in general, as a program, what's their ceiling? I I think they could
0: do exactly what Texas State's doing right now. Texas State was in a, such a worse spot than Southern Misses. I I think you could easily go out and do exactly what Texas State's doing right now. No team should have any excuses after what Texas State has done after one year a, a one year turnaround like what the, what we're seeing now. Like, I don't care. They were they were burning bridges with high school coaches who were, like, wanting their kids to get recruited by Texas State. Like, Spavadol was like, no, we're not taking any freshmen for an entire year. I mean, it was just, it was, like, the worst possible situation, and and they hire the right guy and get some transfers, and it totally turns around. So I think you hire the right coach. Again, there's, there's always a ton of FCS coaches out there that want to get an FBS payday. And so I think life's too short, and believe me I've lived through the Chad Lunsford and Tyson, Tyson Summers years life's too short to be wasting time fiddling around with a guy that's never going to really take you anywhere so i i just think that that's that's sort of my mindset on it but what a excuse my language what a shit show of a game boys uh, this one was old Dominion moves to 3 and 3 with the win and 2 and 1 in sunbelt play southern miss drops to 1 and 5 and is now 0 oh and 3 in the conference so let's turn the page and get to week seven. Um, as we said, like, you know, we talked about Coastal Carolina app is going on right now. It's currently app just scored. It's 1717 with 618 left in the third quarter. Um, I'm going to be totally honest uh, because obviously we're not going to pick a game that was already on. I, my pick was going to be app minus, I think it was five and a half at home. That was honestly going to be my pick. And uh, when, when i when i saw how they started this game i was like oh boy we've got another texas state game last year on our hands with the app but they've really pulled back into this one so we'll we'll see how this one shakes out but uh coastal started really hot and now like hasn't scored a point and and app is i think scored 14 unanswered at this at this stage so we'll we'll see how it all shakes out but let's talk about saturday's slave games and pick these um Noon on ESPN two, Georgia Southern is traveling to Harrisonburg t- to face off with undefeated James Madison. Uh Jamie's a four and a half point favorite at home over under 58 and a half. So Georgia Southern was in this exact same spot, although the game was at home last year. Uh, James Madison was ranked. They they look like a machine. Todd Senteo was the quarterback. He looked like a, a, you know easily Sunbelt Player of the Year and James Madison came in and got upset by a Georgia Southern school that didn't have a defense. Um, I think with that said, I'm going to take Georgia Southern plus four and a half. Uh, I don't necessarily think they they win the game, but I think it's going to be like a field goal either way. I think this one's going to be really tight, um, and you're going to have to ask me on Thursday when I start writing up my, my preview who I think is going to actually win. But I think it's going to be I think it's going to be much tighter than four and a
2: half. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take Georgia Southern plus four and a
0: half. Guys, thoughts?
2: I'm gonna take the under here. Uh, James Madison does a nice job of holding opposing offenses, um, and then I, on, on vice versa, I think their offense struggles a little bit. Um, their offense isn't bad, but you know, it, it kind of I don't know. They're kind of wishy washy offensively. Um, so the only way I see them going over fifty eight and a half is if Georgia Southern just has a field day. And I don't know that I really see that happening. So uh give me the under.
1: I I think I'm gonna take the over. Uh because I I'm not certain I'm not certain I can trust either of these defenses. This man realistic loves
2: to disagree with me.
1: I know, I know. Uh I just I I can't trust either of these defenses at fifty eight and a half. You only need twenty-four points each, right? You need one team to score twenty-five there. I think that's super doable. Nope. I mean Southern no, has that is a
2: 10 point, my guy. Not 58. Oh shit. <laughs> you would need you would need a team to score
1: 30 something. 30 something. Can I just say something real quick? Which I still stand by. I still stand by it. Can I I real hear me out? I think Southern has had, save for the game against Wisconsin, a lot of very good offensive games. And James Madison, same way. Save for the game against Troy, they've had some very, very good offensive games. It, I guess I, you both have your hands up. Ladies, have at it. Real
2: quick, real quick, two seconds. This is my this is my latest Zeke Palermo impression. That Matt Miguez guy, he's an idiot. So I'm going to say the exact opposite of what he picks.
1: Do I have a reputation for taking the opposite of your pick? Yes. Run back the tape, man. I, I, I haven't noticed this. Uh, I, can
0: well, get the, I can get the pick sheet set up. Uh, we, can, we can take a look at this. But uh, I will say, Zeke, in favor of your argument, there is at least one year of historical precedence for this because mm-hmm. James Madison last year had a really good defense. I mean, you're seeing it play out again this year. The game last mm-hmm. year with Georgia Southern, the final score I think was like 45-38. So, like, we knew Georgia Southern's defense last year was trash, and that Todd Centea was going to put up points. And Georgia Southern found a way to exploit James Madison's secondary for, like, 45. So, like, you're not totally off base with this.
1: Look, are either of these teams Troy? Are either of these teams Wisconsin? Both of these teams have played exceptionally offensively, save for those two games, one each. And that, that's my soapbox.
0: All right. Uh, So let's get into 330... Um, on CBS Sports Network. Troy is traveling to West Point to take on Army. Uh, Troy is a four and a half point road favorite over under 44 and a half. Uh, I'm taking Troy minus four and a half. I think uh, Army is not fielding their best team in program history this year. Uh, and I think Troy's defense is, is really going to give them some issues. And I feel like I've always been I feel like I'm usually on the right side of when army plays a sunbelt school, I can usually read whether it's going to be like, it's usually under. And then like the other team is usually the pick. So like, I'm taking Troy here. Uh, Let's throw it over to Zeke.
1: Yeah. I I think Troy's easy here. There, there's not a ton to love about army save for that. They're at home. Uh, I think Troy has a very good defense, and they have a, an incredible running back. And how do you beat Troy? It's by beating them at their own game, and that's draining the clock and playing really good defense.
2: So here comes a Halloween pun or a Halloween rhyme for you. Uh, Mitchie can be a little witchy. <laughs> that wasn't funny at all. <laughs> what? Please, please, please Matt, you want that. me to this
1: like a duo podcast? Maybe I am thinking this Miguez guy is kind of silly. Golly. This is like,
0: hold on, this is like oh. last week when he just randomly inserted, like, Taylor Swift into our Marshall discussion. I was like, is he having a stroke? Matt, do you smell burnt toast? Do we need to call somebody?
2: Actually, I do kind of smell burnt toast. Maybe my wife's making a grilled cheese, I don't know. But, um, no, look, in, in Mitchie Stadium, where Army plays, is is a weird place. Some crazy things have happened there in the past. I don't think anything crazy happens there this Saturday, um, I, I think Kamani Vidal runs absolutely buck wild on Army's defense. Troy wins big.
0: See, Zeke didn't go the opposite of you there. We were, we're all on the same page here, but now
2: he wants to make it a duo podcast. So he doesn't get credit. A <laughs> uh, score update Coastal Carolina just scored a touchdown. It's 23 17.
0: All right. So Coastal pulls out back ahead. Uh, seven let's let's get into this next one here um zeke this is your game seven o'clock also esp into two uh marshall is coming to center park stadium slash turner field uh to take on the panthers georgia state's actually a one point favorite at home over under 55 uh mm-hmm. i'm taking marshall plus one um i i don't know if you know this I, I really didn't like how you guys looked against troy like i know troy is a really right. good football team um I thought you guys had kind of if if you had lost and I know that you were like ah they scored a, a late touchdown and it made it look worse than it was if you guys had mm-hmm. lost a game by seven four three something like that I would have probably taken you guys here I, I really right. didn't like what I saw last last time you guys played so I'm I'm going with Marshall
1: right I, I'm more optimistic about. That Troy game, obviously, it wasn't it wasn't pretty, and it sucks to lose a game in that fashion. Um, but uh, I am more optimistic uh, than uh, than you on Georgia State. With that said, save for last week, I, I've liked Marshall's defense. Um, I think, I guess, this makes it two weeks between NC State and Old Dominion, where the Marshall defense wasn't exceptional, um, and I think that's that's what this game is going to come down to is which Marshall defense do we see? Do we see the one from the first three weeks of the year where they didn't allow more than 17 for three straight weeks? Or do we see the defense that allowed 40-plus in two straight weeks, right? Because if Georgia State can score 40-plus, it means their offense is clicking, and when Georgia State's offense is clicking, I like them. So I'm going to take Marshall as well. Uh, Despite what I just said, uh, I take Marshall minus one because realistically – uh, I trust Marshall's defense too much.
0: He, he just talked himself in a
2: complete circle, Matt.
1: <laughs> oh, I certainly yeah. did. It's he a really Matt Niga
2: special, yeah. and he wants he wants to call me silly. Um, God, Brian, the duo podcast idea is not sounding so bad after all. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at this game, look, I, I I think these are two really good offenses, and then Marshall typically has a pretty solid defense. Uh. I think at the end of this game, you're going to see two running backs that probably run for a buck fifty each. And whichever it's gonna come down to a late turnover, in my opinion. Um, and I am going to say that the Turner Field, you know, Aurora, whatever voodoo you wanna call it over in Atlanta, uh, give give me the Panthers straight up. Those uh those dozens of
0: fans are just gonna go buck wild if they win this game. Um, I <gasps> the more the more that Zeke actually talked, he actually talked me into a pick that he didn't end up taking himself. So I'm actually gonna switch mine. I'm taking the over of fifty five. Uh, Marshall's defense, like you said, and I i I thought about that when I went into this, but one point either way. I don't feel great about that. I'm switching mine to the over of uh, 55. Uh, I, I honestly don't know who's going to win this game, but I don't want to be on the wrong side of it, but I do think both teams for points. And then uh, 7 o'clock, uh, Eastern Time Kick, ESPN Plus. UL Monroe is traveling to San Marcos to take on a Texas State team that's got to be pissed off after the way that uh, the game against Louisiana went. Texas State's a 16-point favorite at home over under 64. I usually don't like spreads this big, but there's so much in Texas State's favor of how good of a football team they are. They're playing at home at night. They just came off of like a brutal loss to a conference opponent. I think they absolutely smoke UL Monroe here. I think it's Texas State minus 16 is my pick.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that one's easy uh, because, like you said, Texas State, we, we just spent a good 10 minutes talking about how, how good this team looks. Uh, And UL Monroe, while they've turned it around, I think Bowden's done a really good job. Not nearly as good as Kenny's done turning around this program. Uh, Monroe, I think they make it four straight losses.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, look, Texas State's going to be pissed off. They're going to be out to prove something. Uh, And and I think ULM is just the victim. Uh, So I'm going to take Texas State minus 16. And real quick, this is related yet unrelated. I want to get y'all's thoughts. Uh, there have been five new sports proposed for the 2028 Olympic, and one of them is flag football.
1: I'm here for it. Y- you about it? Well, I guess there's two questions. One is, are they proposing it as uh, like a men's and women's thing? Because it, That I don't know. Because it, at least in Georgia, right, flag football is picking up at a rapid speed for high school girls. It's rapidly becoming like one of the legit sports for girls to play here. Um, but it, I mean, that makes sense. If we want to put football in the Olympics, it would be silly to put like traditional American football in right now because it would look like, you know, any sort of baseball tournament where you got one team dominating the rest.
0: I only have one question. Can we send the Miami Dolphins?
1: Oh, that'd be filthy. As
0: our representatives, we get. Tua to, to throwing to, to A-Chan and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Can we just do that? Cool. <laughs> like, like um, who's to say? But here's the problem with that. Like, if they add it to the Olympics and it's an Olympic, an Olympic sport for grownups, who's to say we don't just send representatives from the NFL? Like, the guys that run the fastest 40 times.
2: Correct.
0: So, like, it's no different than adding... Like padded football because it would just be like or, a bug or on if a windshield. You,
2: if they put a rule that it can't be NFL players, then okay, I'll just send Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> like, in. <yeah>. right. Exactly. <laughs> let me
0: send. Okay. Or, or let me send. Even if you sent the Sun All Stars, I mean, it was like Kimani Vidal and Hobert and Zion. Yeah, Zion Chris. Yeah, Chris. Like <laughs> you just need. Like if you just had a bunch of just super hyper athletic guys,
2: like. Oh yeah, it it would it would be like the U.S. in basketball from you know ninety two through twenty sixteen, with the
0: exception yeah. of what two thousand four when we lost to Puerto Rico yeah. and got the bronze medal.
1: Um, yeah, no, before, was, before we leave too far from our pick conversation, uh, we're, we're Matt, I that. did crunch it the doesn't numbers. Matter. I know, I know, but Matt, I crunched the numbers out of uh, this is using from our first. Five you weeks to No, no, hear me out. So you and I have picked 33 of the same games because there was a week that you missed.
2: Okay.
1: Seven times of those 33, we just like one of us has picked the over under, the other has taken the spread. You can't really compare that there. Okay. It is 18 times, or I'm sorry, 18 times you and I have picked the same one. Eight we've disagreed. Only eight times, excluding today's episode. Only eight out of 33 samples. Well,
2: you know what, Mr. Palermo? What's those up, are Niggas? Those are the ones that hurt my heart. Oh,
1: so. You poor thing. You poor thing. God. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the
1: defense rests. <laughs>
2: uh, he, he, he just Harvey Spectred me. <laughs> That's called. So again, that I
1: right? don't remember what we did for um today's episode, but. I think on we've agreed on all Louisiana games as well.
2: Um, well, we didn't pick a Louisiana game because they're on a buy.
1: Right. So then, I'm thinking, to date, you and I have p- picked exactly the same on Louisiana.
0: You guys, for t- I haven't written down. You guys for today's episode have two two of the four picks. You guys are head to head on. Uh, the Georgia State –
1: That's nothing, baby. Why, Georgia, why are we so mad, man? What's State, the problem? The Georgia
0: State Marshall one and the JMU Georgia Southern one. You guys are on the opposite
2: he side. Said, right? He said, what's the problem? What's the problem here, man? It's all good. I just got Harvey Spectered by Zeke Palermo. Yeah.
1: Get used to it. Please
2: tell me somebody understands that reference.
1: Yeah, we talked this a couple weeks ago.
0: Okay, I've never even sure. watched. Matt's never. Uh, Brian's never seen it. Though. I've never seen Suits, but I know the main guy's name.
2: You, you should watch it. It's really good. So good. Okay. Uh, well,
0: let's go ahead and wrap up here. Um, as always, you can find the show on Twitter at Warm Weather Fans. You can find me personally on Twitter at Watch the Stone. I want to throw it to Zeke and then Matt, and then we'll get out of here.
1: Yeah, I'm on. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Zeke Palermo, Z-E-K-E-P-A-L-E-R-M-O. You can find me there for stuff about the podcast, anything Georgia State that I write, and more importantly, the bemoanings of a uh, very troubled and cursed Buffalo Bills fan.
2: Matt? You can find me on social media at Matt with both M's capitalized, Um, constantly complaining about the Saints, cheering for the Astros, Um, just having a good time. Hoping Zion stays far away from the buffet. Whoa, whoa, whoa! (laughs) Zion no longer has a weight problem.
1: Now I've heard that literally every year he's been relevant. Going back to the Duke days, it's all he's got. It he's got it figured out. He's on a new diet, guys. You know he looks more muscle than he does fat this time.
2: It's the same thing. This off season, this off season, he hired a personal chef, a personal trainer, uh, a team physiologist. The, the dude is taking care of his body, and he's going to win MVP. So, by the way, no free plugs. I'm not going to tell you what sports book I, I placed this bet through. But 7500 to be league MVP.
1: Let's go. Donating money, baby. Z,
0: can we have, like, a sidebar real quick? Just yeah. you and I? Uh, I'm here. I'm Zion's going to turn his ankle, and he's going to be down <laughs> in these burgers like you've never seen, and he's going to get linked to another adult film star. All right, anyway. Matt, let's bring you back into the podcast. But yeah, anyway, so let's go ahead and close this out. Uh, you can, again, find the the the, Twitter, the show on Twitter at Warm Weather Fans. We will be back next week. And we will talk over Coastal Carolina and App State as it has will have concluded by the time next week's episode comes out. This has been Warm Weather Fans, the Sunbelt Podcast.